Everybody. My name is Pat Hogarty and welcome back to California Real Estate Practice, Real Estate 310. This happens to be show number five, I believe. And what we're going to be doing is finishing off chapter two in the textbook. I believe that when we finished the last time, we were somewhere around page 47. And we were basically talking, if I look at the book here, we were basically talking about on page 47, we had discussed things like newsletters. We had been talking about open houses and the proper way to hold an open house. Uh, also, I wanted to make sure that everybody understood that no matter what any other real estate agent goes out and tells you about, the concept of an open house is an excellent way when you first get started. If you happen to have a real estate agent that's been in the business for a long period of time and maybe has a number of listings and needs to, you know, their clients are bugging them to, to hold an open house, because a lot of people feel that if, unless they hold an open house, it, they're not going to sell the house. It's a good way for you to meet clients, future customers. And remember, what I was really trying to emphasize is to always think about how to reach that target audience that you want to and do it in the most economical way you possibly can. I think I sort of emphasized to put a great big picture of yourself on an RT bus running around town and saying that your real estate agent is not going to necessarily generate business. What you're really looking for is things like when you have an open house, getting people's email addresses and looking for things that cost you next to nothing to keep in contact, especially today with the fact of being able to use emails, have websites, things like that are really important. That's why we're kind of really encouraging you guys to use computers now because everybody else is using them. Okay. okay, so then we talked about open house guidelines. We talked about a lot of things when you hold an open house that you should really be looking at doing, such as making sure that you put a you know, sign on the front of the house. It's usually if you have a for sale sign. So that little thing that sits up on the top of it says, listen, and what you want to do is you want to make sure you put that little sign that says open house next week and put the date so that everybody that's driving in and out of the community knows that next Saturday there's going to be an open house. I also emphasized a lot of things that are in the checklist that you need to remember to do, such as making sure you have enough materials, enough flyers, and thinking about the kind of people that are going to be coming in there. You know, they, they're going to want some stuff. You can get a lot of literature, that, again, that doesn't cost you anything from people like mortgage companies. Uh, for example, a company called Countrywide Funding will provide you with a lot of literature that you can give out that doesn't cost you any money about things like financing programs. Title insurance companies will provide you a lot of information about what title insurance is or how to buy a home or how to stage your house. So always think about how do I develop those relationships with those professionals that are in the industry, which is fairly easy to do, and then that way I can turn around and get some information that I don't have to pay for. Okay, and when you pass that out, you're helping them out and you're providing stuff to the clients and helping them out. So it works out really well. We also said that it's important that you let the people in the neighborhood know that the house is going to be for sale because, you know, it's going to be open because a lot of people feel threatened or feel uncomfortable about going down to the neighbor's house that's open this Saturday for an open house. But if you're going around and said, listen, come on down, I want to show you what the Joneses are doing. I mean, they feel comfortable to come there, and they can actually end up being some of your best sources of future business and maybe even people that want to buy a house, that particular house. So we talked all about that. Uh, what I wanted to do now is to move into something uh, a little bit different that's on page 51, and what we're going to be doing is I'm moving over here to the document camera. We're going to be talking about the, the art of developing referrals. 
The concept of developing referrals is the fact that you have to put something into your business that you do on a regular basis that's sort of like you don't even really have to think that hard about it, that you consistently and constantly are working on building a database. For the lack of, we use database and we're talking about you know, computers, but we're talking about a list of people is what we're talking about, that you feel that would be a good idea to keep in contact with either by phone, by email, by mail, some way or another, to let them know what's happening in the business because they can end up in the future generating and helping you get business. And you can also help them. I mean, if you're working with somebody, for example, that happens to be a contractor that does a really good job, which is far and few between, I don't know, I shouldn't have said that, <laughs> you know, but you get somebody that's doing a really, really good job, uh, you're in a position where you can help their career out too. So, for example, when I was getting ready to sell a house that I had, we had some windows that had to be replaced because some of the older windows, especially the dual panes, get like moisture in there. Agent I had gave me the name of a person that does that, a person that does the glass. Excellent referral. Take that person, refer them anywhere. Absolutely outstanding job that they did. So the point is, is that while you can help them or they can help you, you can help them if they do good work. Okay, so keep, kind of keep that in mind. So you really kind of want to develop an art of, of building referrals. And what it says here is, is a little statement that I kind of want to read. It says goodwill. And remember, when you have a business, a business really the value of a business, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's uh, General Motors, Ford, Toyota, uh, uh, Home Depot, whatever it is, it's not the value of their assets. It's not the building where the money is. It's the value of the people, you know, the, the quality of the people that they've employed to provide services, and it's, the, and it's the relationship that they've built with the community for good products, great products, good service, and that's called goodwill. And what it says is goodwill is earned by making it known that you have the client's best interest at mind. Uh, but good intentions are not enough. You must be a doer. In other words, don't tell people you're going to do it. In fact, probably under-promise and overdue. You know, in other words... Say, okay, I'll do that, but then when you do it, make sure that you really do a good job. The client's really, really impressed, okay? Um, you'll, do, you'll, you'll be better and more um, finally remembered if you explain to the client what you are doing each step of the way. Now, don't make it a really long, drawn-out thing, but don't keep the people in the dark either. And you're going to also find out clients are different. You're going to find some people will turn around and say, listen, I don't care what you do. All I want to do is I want you to sell a house. Tell me where to sign the paperwork, and that's the end of it. I don't want to know any more than that. And no matter how many times you try to tell them, they're going to go, I, don't, I told you. How many times have I got to tell you? I don't want to know. I want you to put it on the market, sell it, and give me a check. You're going to get other people that are going to be the other extreme that are going to want to know every single itty-bitty little thing. And you're going to have to realize you're going to have to deal with those two different types of personalities. And, you, and then you've got your personality to deal with, which you may be detailed-oriented or not detailed-oriented. But the fact is you have to be used to the fact of what people, how people really operate. A lot of times we blame engineers on that. Actually, accountants are another one. They're very detailed. They get the numbers out. They find every single little error. You've got to get used to that. I have them in class. They drive me nuts. <laughs> Let them know when you, uh, when you uh, order the termite report, the credit report, when you check out the preliminary title report, submit the loan application, order the appraisal report, check out the, uh, the documentation, get the necessary final paper signed. In other words, let them know what these events that are happening. Say to them, I know there's a lot of things that we're going to be talking about, this, but there's some major events you need to know. As soon as, if you're the buyer, the minute you sign that report, that offer, and it's accepted, I'm going to call the escrow company. I'm going to open up an order. 
They're going to generate something called preliminary title report. Tell them what that is. I'm going to be bringing by and have you take a look at it, and you're going to need to sign it. We're going to go over it together. We're going to order a termite report. That's going to be done. We're going to go over that. So tell them along the way that these are important. They're major events. They need to be taken care of and what's going to happen along the way. And then, of course, if you have any literature from any of these third independent parties, such as title companies, escrow companies, uh, finance companies, that you can help provide to them helps. Now, that's not even counting things like government organizations. FHA, VA, CalVet all have literature that you can put together a package which is something you may very well want to do. You may want to put together, as time goes by, a collection of these various types of handouts that you can provide to your clients, where you may be putting them in an envelope or a jacket or a folder, but they're coming, the actual materials are coming from different companies. And you're just collecting them along the way, like what do you need to consider when you're getting ready to move out a move-out checklist? What do you need to do? Okay. In fact, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. They actually show you here, for example, one of the things which is actually on page 53 that you could consider as something that you would be giving to people, you know, such as, listen, when the day that you're getting ready to move or when you're getting ready to move, these are things that you need to consider. Remember, we don't do it that often. Believe me, we don't usually, unless we've been in the military or we travel a lot, we really don't move a lot. So there's a lot of things that we need to consider, you know, like getting our mail forwarded. Uh, I mean, if you just go down the list here, uh, things like, uh, you know, you've got to change addresses to post offices, credit cards, subscriptions, relatives and friends. You know, these are all things that you could be telling your client in the form of giving them different types of literature that's helping to keep them informed on what's going on. It wouldn't hurt, for example, if you have a client that's buying or selling or moving. Go to the post office if you're down there and get some of the forms that they need to fill out on how to make an address change. Okay. In fact, when you talk to the post office guy, which doesn't take more than a couple minutes, find out what the process is currently, you know, what they're going to do. They're the one that are going to take it down, but you're informing them, letting them know. Okay. Uh, so anyway, you want to kind of look at these checklists, everything from dental bills to, uh, you know, people are going to need to know about things such as, uh, you know, that they're going to have to change their insurance companies maybe or where their insurance is getting, their banks, you know, where money is coming from, all that kind of stuff. They don't want to move and find out, oh, by the way, their retirement check is not coming in anymore because they forgot to change the bank, <laughs> okay? Now, I'm going to quickly, quickly go back to uh, page... Um, page 52 for a minute, and just talking about planning the strategy for getting referrals. In other words, you have to help a client help you to get a referral, okay? You have to help the client help you. People are not necessarily used to this. And remember, you are going to have some people that are going to give you lots of referrals and some people that are going to give you maybe none ever. Okay, because they just don't feel comfortable with it. Okay, you have to make sure that they feel comfortable because the weirdest thing is to have them act and operate in a different manner be due to your influence. Like if they have friends that, you know, that they deal with every day and all of a sudden for them to get a formal letter from their friend about you providing services is something that's not them. Okay, so you kind of want to think how does these people operate. So first of all, one of the things that you need to do in planning your strategy to get uh, uh, clients is know your clients. You don't want to ask, uh, ask a less than satisfied client for a referral. I could go into a long story about that. 
You only want to get referrals from people that have liked what you've done. I saw, I, I was thinking about that on the way over here. I was sitting in an office when I used to work out at McClellan, and uh, I was sitting there across the desk from somebody that was a supervisor. And <laughs> this gentleman happened to be the uncle, I guess, from, you know, from a kid. He had a nephew, and his nephew had put him down as a reference for a job. And so when I was there, the phone rang. And he picked up the phone, and, you know, he said, excuse me, Pat, I, you know, I got to take this call. So I, he said, I said, do you want me to leave? He said, no, I'll just sit there. So anyway, I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to the other end of this conversation. And so if you've ever had a conversation where you can hear what the person's saying, but you can visualize what the question is on the other side, and I'm about ready to crack up, because I know what the person has said is something like, uh, does he show up for work on time? Because his answer was back, well, most of the time he shows up. You know, most of the time. Does he do, you know, and you could hear, you could kind of figure out, does he do good work? Well, it's pretty good. There's, you know, a good, a fair amount of redo that he has to do. So when you really think about it, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to this conversation going, and this guy is just, you know, explaining, not saying the guy is bad, just saying, you know, this is how he is. And I'm thinking, this is the worst referral. Did he ever call his uncle and say, hey, uncle, I'm going to ask you, you know, are you feel comfortable with it? You know, make sure that your referral is a good referral. You know, I mean, you don't want him to say, oh, well, he shows up some of the time and shows the open house. I think he kind of did a good job for me. That's not a good referral. You know, so kind of keep that in mind. If possible, have a specific referral in mind. For example, a for sale by owner. Like, that's a good example. If you are working with a client that's very happy, that has maybe lived in the community for some time, and you know that they're active in the community, and you see a house that's down the street that's for sale by owner, then maybe you want to ask them, you know, John, do you, do you know them? And if they say, oh, yeah, well, the kids play basketball all the time, well, would you mind very much if I give you some literature or some way you help introduce me to that person? That would be a way of using a referral if they felt comfortable with it because they would know the services that you provided. Next one, bear in mind that often clients need to be asked to give a referral. There's nothing wrong with politely asking for a referral. So in other words, they could have people that they know, but you maybe need to pick the phone up occasionally and integrate it with something else you're doing. You know, maybe make it a point that, hey, you know what, I'm going to call, you know, and don't make it like I'm going to call 10,000 people in one day. You know, I'm going to call so many people, you know, and I'm going to do so, you know, make it so it's quick and dirty and it's over with. And if you think that, other people don't do this. Everybody all the way up to the President of the United States and every single one of them does that all the time. They pick the phone up and they talk to, you know, leaders of other nations. They talk to different people. They do it on a regular basis. It's, it's a very common practice. So you could call them up and if you know them really well, say, oh, by the way, I just sent out a newsletter. I want to make sure that you got it. You know, I, whatever. You know, some way that you keep, and if you're, they're used to maybe hearing from you, then that's okay. If you're coming in 10 years later and asking them, they go, I haven't heard from you for years. I've bought and sold six houses since then. You know what I mean? Okay. So you want to do that. Uh, tell your clients what specific type of lead you're most interested in, like neighbors. Okay. Are you interested in neighbors or if they're working for a, a company where a lot of people are moving to the community? Like if you read something in the paper and you're working in the Folsom, El Dorado's, uh, Cameron Park area, as an example, and you read something in the paper that says Intel is now recruiting a whole stack of people coming to the community, and you know this person works for that, then that would be a way of saying, listen, I read in the paper last night that uh, Intel is going to be moving 1,500 people to the community. How, do you, how would I go about getting in contact with those people or whatever? And they work for Intel, and then maybe they can help you. 
Uh, remember that most people are fla uh, flattered by the request for help, so ask clients to help you with your firm by giving you a referral. So you're not saying, you know, you're asking, is there some way you can help me out or whatever. Okay, again, this has to be you. And do it in a very easygoing way. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the agents that I know, Bruce Slayton, that works for Keller Williams, what he has on his email, uh, on the bottom of his email, which is called, an, uh, it's an automatic signature. It's like an auto signature. He'll have his name and his phone number, and he'll say, oh, by the way, do you know anybody that's looking to buy or sell a house? Or buy or sell something. You know, it doesn't hurt because guess what? If you do enough email, there might be somebody that may say, yes, I do. You know, let me give them your name. So you want to plan your strategy. After that, they talk about different sources of referrals. Uh, and I'm going to hit on a couple of those, but I, I'm going to want to make sure I kind of finish this chapter up because I need to move on to the next one. Um, Okay, let me see. Okay, we covered all that. Okay. Okay, let me just see if there's anything else on this referrals. Actually getting referrals. Let's see if there's anything here. Okay, some of the ways that you can do this is like ask, telling that your company is growing. Tell your clients uh, that you've enjoyed serving them. Explain that you're done. Uh, you'd like to do whatever you've done for them for somebody else. Again, if that's a good experience, it's fine. If you say, listen, I want to do for you what I, for somebody else what I've done for you, you mean to tell me sell my house for less than the market value? No, I don't think so. I'm not going to, you know, or, you know, or give me that buyer that fell out of escrow. Forget about it. No, I'm not going to do that, you know. Um, let, your, let your clients know about other services you offer, like refinancing, notary, property management, or whatever. You may not very well know or do that yourself. We happen to have a gentleman here, his name is Fred Dawkins, that teaches our law classes, and he also happens to be a partner in one of the biggest firms, legal firms in town. I'm talking about the ones that you have hundreds of attorneys. And what they discovered a number of years ago, and attorneys tend to specialize in certain areas, so you have attorneys that will do things like workman's compensation. That's what they concentrate in because it takes so much time and effort. You have other people that will uh, specialize in things like real estate development or business law or... Uh, I can't think of anything else off the top, estates and probates. So what they did is they said, you know what? Those attorneys are all our partners. So why don't we let our existing clients that are coming to us for maybe, uh, because they happen to know us, to have uh, some assistance with child adoption, for example, which is another specialty, let them know that we also have services that have to do with estate planning, business planning, or whatever. They found out that they were able, but just by doing that, they increased their business almost immediately by 25%. Just by letting their existing clients know that their company provided other services. And if that happens to be notary or it happens to be refinancing or whatever it happens to be, it's another way to do it. Maybe it's not you doing it, but it's somebody else doing it, okay? So you want to know that. Okay? So read that and just become creative and take it into yourself and figure out how you're basically going to utilize that yourself. Uh, the next thing and probably the last thing they talk about in this chapter is something called advertising. Uh, advertising is, is where you are, I guess you could characterize this by you are taking money out of your pocket money that you could use for something else like food okay or coffee or donuts or an ice cream cone okay in other words you could use it for something else and you're making a decision that you're going to take that money and forego that ice cream cone and use it to pay for an ad 
okay, with the idea in mind that that ad is going to generate you some more money. So that if you put out, well, ice cream cones don't cost $10, but if you put an ad in the newspaper that you have a house for sale and it's going to cost you, say, $30, $40, $50 for you to run that ad for whatever number of days and you always want to check, you know, you want to check with your broker, by the way, to find out if there's, you know, if they're doing a lot of advertising in Sacramento B, find out if there's any other kind of, you know, rather than you call up yourself, say, listen, is there some way that I can get a reduced cost because you're putting a lot of advertising in by me placing an ad and paying for it, and they'll let you know. But you're putting an ad in the newspaper with the idea in mind that somebody's going to read that, and they are going to make your telephone ring. That's what they're going to do. That's what you want them to do. So some of the advertising that we talk about can be some things like putting things in uh, a newspaper. Uh, and keep in mind, too, that newspapers are different kinds. You know, you have things like the Sacramento Bee. You have a lot of local newspapers that are within the community. In other words, you may find something that when you go home tonight is laying in your driveway and it's the first time you've actually opened it and not thrown it in the trash can and find out that that happens to be a pretty good newspaper that a lot of people read. You're also talking about other kinds of advertising like, you know, you see these for sale by owner booklets that are in the grocery stores. Um, you'll see, uh, you know, park benches uh, with people's names and pictures on them. I mean, and there's a whole theory behind advertising, by the way. There's, an there's a theory that where part of it is to keep your name out there, just your name. The park bench thing is, you know, hey, here's a picture of Pat on the park bench, you know, with his phone number. And the idea is that if you pass that enough, you'll remember somewhere in your mind that there's a guy by the name of Pat that sells real estate, okay? But what you're really looking for, in my mind, especially in the beginning, is I'm going to forego so many ice cream cones, so many cups of coffee, I'm going to put my money down, and how am I going to get more money back from that? I want to be really focused on how that's going to happen. And then when that telephone rings, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I just don't want to say, oh, okay, yeah, that's the house, and just hang up. You know, in other words, I want to know what is it I'm going to do when that person calls. The chances of them calling... I mean, statistically, them calling and that to be the exact house that they want, the probability that is fairly high. They can take a look at the house, and the house can be in absolutely outstanding, excellent condition. The lawns are mowed. Everything is perfect. But for whatever reason, it doesn't have the fourth bedroom for a study they need, or it doesn't have a, you know, it doesn't have a pool. There's something missing. There's nothing wrong with the house. It's just the fact that it's not their house. They want a tile roof. They don't want a shake roof. Or they want a shake roof. And, you know, you get the idea that it doesn't necessarily fit them. So the idea is when they call on that ad, you're trying to find out what they want. And because you have been out of the office at least once or twice during the week and have gone out in your area where you work and have gone on open house tours, you know, that have been provided by the multiple listing service in your company, you have know what the latest and greatest houses are that are on the market for sale. So when they start describing this to you and say, listen, I'm looking for a three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage, but I'd really like to have something that has a work area for my husband, or I'd like to have a, a den, or I have a motorhome that I want to park, or, you know, whatever it happens to be, you say, Look, well, listen, I know of a couple houses I just saw, you know, on the tour. Would it be okay with you? Would you be interested? We could set up an appointment. I could show them to you. Okay? And you have to do that enough. You'll also find out when you do that you're going to be developing some, from f some third and fourth and fifth senses. In other words, you will start after you've done this six or seven or ten or twenty or thirty times, you will start to figure out what kinds of questions and how the client has to react to you to find out whether or not how much time you're going to spend with the client. 
okay? But that's a way for you to get business. That's the whole purpose of that and also to advertise the home, okay? So you have to think that through. So you really want to think about where you're going to put your money. How quickly is that going to be able to make your telephone ring to help you generate some businesses, which you really want to do. So you can get enough so you can go right back and buy some more ice cream. Okay? Very important. You don't want to give that ice cream up. Um, <clears throat> um, and there's a lot of things that whenever you have something for sale, I mean, you could go on and on. There are advertising such as your newsletter that you can put out. There are advertising like you put a postcard out in the local community that is for sale. Advertisement could be a flyer. I mean, if you just start looking around, if I gave you an assignment and I said, okay, for the next week, I want you, when you go out, to take a pencil with you and a piece of paper, it could be a napkin, doesn't make any difference, or a pen, and just open your eyes and look and see where you see advertising happening that happens to do with real estate. And you would come back and say, my goodness, I found this 30 different ways you can do this. I only thought there was a newspaper. I had no idea that people were doing it in all these different ways. So you kind of want to keep that in mind. Um, some, of the, some of the advertising, too, can be uh, aimed at specific. And I'm kind of pulling, um, you know, I wouldn't say that this is exactly what the chapter says, but I'm kind of pulling this out. Um, if you're going to be, say, for example, uh, talking to uh, people that maybe are looking at buying their first home, you may be very well want to talk to those people that are buying their first home about why they would want to own real estate rather than rent. So you'd point out some of the important factors of owning real estate, you know, such as, you know, we have an equity buildup, <clears throat> you know, so, and by the way, there's years that we don't make any money and there's years that we make a lot of money. And I'm here to tell you, after doing this all these years, you know what, my crystal ball is broken. It's, it's like crack. I can't in any degree and accurately tell you what the market's going to do in the future. I can give you what I feel is a general trend, but that, I, I may be right or wrong. But the fact is, if you do hold on to real estate long enough in a community that has a fairly stable economy, it will go up in value. Okay? So will stocks and bonds, too. Uh, you, have, uh, you talk about things like it's a small initial investment. Uh, one of the things, if you're dealing with first-time buyers, for example, that you may very well want to do is to... Uh, Find out about first-time buyer programs. There's a company, not a company, it's an organization that's on the first floor of the Sacramento Association of Realtors. They, in fact, they run little ads on the weekend. Uh, they have free, work, free workshops, and uh, they are uh, called the Home Loan Counseling Center. And what they do is they talk about the various kinds of programs that may be available for first-time buyers. Okay, in fact, we have them come in and speak at our internship class to talk. So, so, so you guys, if your interns know what kinds of programs might be available uh, to them. Uh, so anyway, all you're really trying to do here is just to really give them, if you're, if you're establishing and you're targeting a market, in my particular case, you're talking about the advantages here of owning real estate. That's the point of that. So you may very well want to target people that maybe might be in a position that might be renting and are looking to buy, as an example. Okay, that would be the concept. The lady on the left-hand side in the third row, do you have a question? You keep raising your hand. Push the button now. Push the button. Push the button. Yeah, I do. Going back a couple of pages, if 
You got to keep the button. Keep holding it. Keep the red light on. Okay, good. Uh, if I saw some really good advertisement, like you said, on a park bench or however, and I was going to sell my property, would it be better that when I, you know, like back here it said about the moving company to check the Better Business Bureau, to, you know, uh -huh. about their credentials. Could I call the Better Business Bureau to catch about, um, to um, find out about, you know, an agency or an agent as per how they're doing, how do they sell property, and what kind of questions would I ask? Okay. I think her question is you're driving down the street, you see a park bench, or maybe your clients see a park bench, and they, you know, and they see your picture on it, and they, and they say, you know, this person looks like somebody I want to employ as a real estate agent. You know, the, the funny thing is, is I'm not aware that the Business Bureau keeps anything on real estate agents. I will tell you that if the real estate agent has been dragged before the, before the real estate commissioner and has had anything that has affected their license, you can put their name through the, uh, the DRE website and do a search. In fact, they, people will be, many you have a license, you'll be able to do that on YouTube to see if you have anything that you've done in which it's been decided that you were wrong. Okay. You can also call the local board of realtors to find out if the person's in good standing. Uh, beyond that, I would say you would do, you would treat that, you, I would say unless you have gotten somebody from an extremely strong referral that you know that is ex absolutely outstanding. Uh, for example, if you're going to get brain surgery, you may ask a friend of yours that had successful brain surgery and say, hey, go to Dr. Hogarty. He's really good. I'm still alive. And you may say, you know what? I'm not going to check with two other people. I'm going to go with this guy. You know, I'm not going to check the yellow pages out. Okay, there are times that you may want to do that. But in most cases, it does not hurt you to, even if that person has got a really great reputation, to actually call two or three other people up and ask them to come over because, believe me, you are going to learn a lot of things because they're going to talk about different things. It's like as if I have a lecture sometimes. I'll find that I'll talk about one topic and, the and, I won't, and I'll miss something completely. In the next lecture, I'll pick up on that. It's the same thing when an agent comes out to you. You may find out one agent is really going to focus on a specific area of selling your house. And what you're really looking for is advice initially. You're really looking for advice on selling your house. So somebody may talk about homes in the area and the importance of the homes in the area and the importance of getting people qualified to buy, you know, financially qualified to buy. You may have another agent that walks in and say, maybe talks a little bit about that, but their focus is, listen, you really need to do something where we call stage the house, which is a whole other topic. In other words, how do you make the home look pleasing to the people when they walk in the door? You know, a very, very important topic, you know. I mean, like I've had that done when I've sold homes. You know, how do you make it so when it comes in, little things, like when they walk up on the deck that they're, I mean, stupid little things you would never think of going out and buying $10 pots of flowers that it looks really nice, putting a bench in the right place, uh, arranging the furniture in the living room. So that person may give you advice or talk about that, okay? And now you've got two opinions. Then you call the third one out, and the third one maybe is going to focus on something like saying, you know, listen, they'll talk about the same things, some of the same things, but maybe they're going to focus on, listen, well, one of the things that we need to do is we need to, do, we need to get a termite inspection ahead of time. We need to get some things corrected. We need to make sure because, hey, listen, when you get an offer, we're going to ha that's going to have to move really quickly because you're getting, ready to sell. you're getting ready to sell, and we need to close the deal really quickly. So now you've got a good amount of advice. You've got help. The thing you don't want to do is keep calling people out. You know, like I've said before, you know, if you, you know, you keep call some people never make decisions. <laughs> 
you know, you call the next one out, the next one out, the next one out. You want to get two, three, four people come out and give you some advice, and then you make a decision and ask them. And what the client, if you're the client, what you're looking for is you want to work with somebody that you like, that you trust, and that you feel comfortable with. Okay, you don't want to have you want because you are still the boss if you're the client. Okay, but on the other hand, if you also are the client, you may need to have somebody's going to kick you once in a while to tell you you need to get something done. Okay, so it's kind of a balance, you know. But the point is, you do need to talk to a number of different people and get some, you know, get advice and form that advice and find out how well. Call some of their previous clients. Say who 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 are your previous clients? I want a list of five. Call them up. You use Pat Hogarty, what do you think of him? I've done that on, on a lot of things. You know, call them up, especially if you're talking about a lot of money. You know, you're putting in a pool or a roof or something like that. Listen to the guy do it on time. Did he show up? Did it pass inspection? Blah, blah, blah. Same thing with an agent. That's why you want to be able to have really good clients that will be able to come back and say, yes, this person does a really good job. That helps. You know, to have a list of clients as you go by that feel comfortable, that are willing to refer you. Okay? Very, very important. Okay, so we talk, they talk a lot in here about the different types of advertising that I've said. On page uh, 57, talks about newspaper advertising. Uh, they also talk about something called display ads. Uh, these are just ads that you'll see in the newspaper probably uh, on a weekend. This is another thing that I think would be a good idea for you to try to do sometimes is go to the Sacramento Bee. I keep saying the Sacramento Bee because there's really no other large newspaper in Sacramento. Buy the weekend edition and hold on to the sections. Don't throw the newspaper away. Just hold on to it. And start to realize who does advertise and how they do advertise. And ask a question in your mind. Say, if this person is consistently and constantly running this ad, Week after week after week, and I know it's not cheap. It costs some money. They're not doing it, the bee's not doing it for nothing. Then they must be doing it for a reason, and it must be producing some business. I mean, logically, that makes sense, doesn't it? You know, if they run the ad for you know months at a time, or you know, or continuously run it, I guess it must work. Okay. In fact, it may not even hurt you if you're doing some research and you're just entering the businesses. Take the name and the address of where the property is. And go out and look at those properties and meet that agent. In fact, you can even go in there and say, hi, my name is Pat Hogarty, and I happen to be a, real, a student you know, at Sacramento City College, and I'm just going out and learning how to do this. And talk to them. Ask them questions. How often do you run the ad? How well does it work? Maybe hang around. Don't hang around and eat all their cookies and drink their coffee, but kind of watch and see how many people show up. How do they put their ads out? How do they put their signs out? How do they do that? And then look how, if, do they do it consistently? There's a lady by the name of Joanne Pino. She's in the Sacramento Bee. I've used her several times. She's an outstanding agent. She works for Lion. She's been there years. She runs ads every single week. Now, I know she's not running those ads because she's just decided to be in a charitable position with the Sacramento Bee that must be producing some business. And I've been out there to watch during, on a Saturday and Sunday, and there's people that show up. And she sells a lot of property. And they guess what? It's from those ads. So, but you want to see what works, okay? Don't take – you do the research. You look at it. You see if it makes sense to you, okay? Very, very important. These are display ads anyway. 
Um, they talk about classified, they talk about all different types of ads and stories and magazines. And the thing that I really want to kind of emphasize to you is, you know, you can go on and on and on with advertising. One of the things when you put that money out, when you've taken that money and have not spent it on that ice cream cone or that coffee or that donut, you want to track what's going on with that ad. You want to know, is that producing results? Am I doing this correctly? Is it working right? Okay. And then you want to start to develop a feel for it. Where am I getting better return on my money? Because when you place that ad, that is like an investment in a bank. And if you find out that, you know, you can say, I can put a great big sign on the back of the Sacramento Regional Transit buses that's going to cost me $10,000, you know, to do that. And that resulted, and you'll have a number, you know. That resulted in X number of clients, X number of times that phone rang. This is the quality of the clients. Then turn around and look at the ad that you put in, you know, another ad you put in the beat and start tracking that. And you're going to start to realize you may even be surprised about the fact that you may place an ad in an area that you get a good return that you absolutely never thought would work. Never. Never. You, I never thought of that. I just on a flyer, I put it in there, it cost me 10 bucks, and it works great. Um, so you kind of want to keep that in mind. There is lots and lots of places. They talk about things like clubs and institutional newsletters. They talk about, uh, they talk about like church bulletins. Uh, you know, like a lot of times churches will have a bulletin. Ca I'm Catholic. They call it bulletins. It's like a little newspaper every week you go to Mass. And on the back they have the different advertisers, you know, you know that are going to support that. So, you know, some of those people say something like, listen, I'm a realtor and I'm a member of the church, okay? You know, that may work for them. Okay, um, so keep in mind, you really want to keep, you want to think about doing things and budgeting for it and how much money and how you're going to spend it. You really just don't want to keep forking that money out and getting no return on it because that money is going to be, you know, can be utilized for something else, even down, like I said, to the basic food. <laughs> you know, guess what? I can get something better than a hamburger. I can get a steak this week, or I can get you know I can eat better if I'm not spending the money on that advertising. You want to get a good return rate, rate of return, and you'll get it when you get in the business. You're going to get a lot of people that are going to um, uh, they're going to come out and approach you with all sorts of nifty ideas on how you can advertise your business. They will tell you all sorts of things. There's plenty of people out there that are are going to um, you know, come by and say, "Listen, we've got this thing that's up at uh, at the uh, at the uh, th we we have uh, three hundred thousand of these things that go out to all the supermarkets in the area that show houses for sale." You know, huge exposure. You know, well, you know, if you look at those racks, yes, do they print three hundred thousand? Yes, they do. They are not lying. Do they put three hundred thousand out there? Yes, they do. Are all of them picked up? No, they're not. <laughs> Okay, so you're only going to reach, no matter how many, only a certain market. Okay, only a certain market type are you going to reach with that. But they're doing here on page 45, I think, is they're, they're uh, giving you some guidelines for, uh, for budgeting. Following is a list of methods uh, brokerages use to calculate how much money to allocate to advertising. Uh, so many dollars per month, a percentage of gross income. In other words, you're always thinking, how much money do I need to spend? You know, if I make... You know, ten thousand dollars that month. Should I take and put five hundred dollars out in advertising? To you know, what is an amount of money? Okay, 
Um, a stated amount per sales associate, you know, if you're a brokerage, you know, you're thinking about that. Um, a given amount per property. In other words, you may find out that you, um, should you be budgeting and, and saying, okay, every property that we're going to, you know, list for sale, we're going to spend $200 to advertise it. Now, some of you may spend more, some of you may spend less. The point here is that you are looking for developing, looking at this and developing some kind of guidelines on how you're going to go about advertising your business. How are you going to go about doing it? You know, how much money are you going to allocate? How are you going to measure it? How are you going to determine how successful it happens to be? The other thing I may mention, too, is, is that you're going to find out that a lot of times advertising is seasonal. You're going to find out that there are months in which you will get a lot of responses, and there are months that you will get no responses. I'll give you an example. My wife and I, years ago, bought a motorhome. And after we owned the motorhome for a while, we started to realize that we weren't using the motorhome a lot. So we put an ad in the paper and we tried to sell it. And I didn't know what the, the time frame was. And guess what? Not, you know, maybe one person came and looked at it. Not many people looked at it. And so I'm trying to, you know, at the time we don't have a lot of money. And I'm trying to figure out well, what am I going to do? I'm paying the bank every month for this motorhome deal, you know. And, or, you know, I'm, you know how am I going to make some money? So my wife came up with the idea. She comes up with the ideas and I come up with the follow through, you know. She says, well, what about if we rent it? I've noticed that there's some motorhomes for rent in the newspaper. Now, I'm not recommending this to anybody because there's a lot of skills you have to have to make this happen. But basically, I said, okay, and I, I figured, well, how am I going to learn about this? There's no books on it or anything else. So I picked up the phone, and I called some people up that were advertising motorhomes, you know, and I said, you know, hi, you know, I saw you have a motorhome for sale, and they started to explain to me. I said, well, let me tell you the real reasons. You know, I called. I said, I own a motorhome. I'm looking at trying to rent it out and could you give me some advice do you know what I don't think I had anybody not give me advice in fact they gave me way a whole stack of advice there was lots of advice they gave me you know checklists I could use insurance companies I mean this was the average consumer but the point is, is so then I go through this whole thing and I change I get in special type of insurance and I put the ad in the paper and guess what I, the phone does not ring it doesn't ring and I'm going man all of a sudden I think it was like March, sometime in March, I can't remember what it was, the phone started ringing, and it rang, and it rang, and it rang. And what it amounted to is that that's seasonal. There's actually a season. People start thinking about getting ready to use a motorhome or to go someplace at the beginning of, say, March or April, and that goes on through the summer, and it ends somewhere around October. So it's seasonal. So you could be sitting there going away and beating your head against the wall in, 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 in November and December and nothing is going on and all of a sudden you do the same thing three months later and it, and it works. So you have to look at how, you know, the cycle of whatever you're doing or seasonally. You're going to find out that people look for homes during certain periods of time. You know, they, people typically also will decide that they're going, especially if they have children, they're going to try to gear everything around selling around the summertime because they, want, they don't want to pull the kids out of school at the last minute, and they want to have the kids back in school at the beginning of, uh, what is it, August or September. So you're going to find that as seasonal. So you kind of want to always be looking at how the market operates. It becomes very, very important. Um, so anyway, uh, you want to look at how you're going to advertise, and then you want to look at its efficiency and its effectiveness. Um, you, that's why we're talking about evaluating advertising. If your advertising program is not producing the results you want, you must make some changes. You have to say, okay, if I keep beating my head against the wall expecting the same result, that's called insanity. 
Okay, so I have to come up with something different. You know, it's not working. So what is it that's not working? And you may very well, you know, maybe have to ask clients. You may have to ask some people. You may have to try different things to find out what's basically working. Uh, in order to know the effectiveness of the advertising campaign, you must have an evaluation system whereby you can determine which ads work and which ads need some help. In other words, look at the ads when you see them in the newspaper that attract you. You know, what is it that makes attracts you? There's, characteristically, there are certain types of ads that, that attract certain types of people. You can have an ad that has all kinds of things, and then if you put fixer up or underneath it, guess what? You're going to get a lot of people that are going to think that they're going to be able to buy a house that needs, that's, that, that needs work, and they're going to buy it for a song. Okay? So look at the ads. Say, what is it that they put in here? I mean, the standard ad is house for sale, three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage. Then we have to have at least one cup, a few words in there that are going to distinguish that ad from other ads, don't we? You know, newly remodeled, RV access, okay, uh, close to college, something that's going to draw people in, okay? So I would even say take those ads and find that key word in those ads that generate people to pick the phone up. What is it that makes them pick the phone up? View. There's another one, like view, like if you're in a certain area like El Dorado Hills where we have views of the Sacramento Lights and Folsom Lake at night, view would be a word. You know, view of mountains, view of lights. You know, what is it that makes people want to pick the phone up and call? Okay, very, very important. And also you need to tailor it to each house because you need to find out what it is that makes that house. When you put that ad in the paper, you're really looking to find houses that you have that will draw people in. In other words, you may have a house that's a dynamite house. And you may find out that that one house based on that area and that little thing is going to generate a lot of phone traffic because of the fact that that's something that most people are looking for. So you kind of want to ask them. And when clients come in to look at the property, I've always done this with rentals. It's always because if you have rental property and you're a landlord, you know yourself whether you take care of the place. I mean, you honestly and truly know. You know that you paint it. You know you keep it up. You know you fix the roof. You do all that stuff. But ask clients when they're looking at stuff, what, ha what have they seen out there? What, through their eyes, what are they seeing? And they'll go, you know, there's, some ha there's a house down the street, and uh, the bushes are dying, you know, or there's a house down the street, and the, the, the remember one, the sprinkler system, you ever see those sprinkler systems, those rainbirds? And they go against the front of the house, and it discolors the house. You're going to see that a lot of people, you know, that's why you want to tell your clients, a lot of people, with the initial thing that they see is how their opinion of the house is. Some people won't even get out of the car unless they see it. But knowing from your client's perspective what they're seeing really helps you on knowing how to advertise your property and what to say. Say, why did you call me up? Why did you like this house? You know, ask them. That's a good way to do it. Why? You know, after you talk to them for a while, why? why did you call me up? Well, because it has a, a, has a bonus room <laughs> or it has a a three-car garage. A lot of people want three-car garages now because what they do is they have, the, they have one car for, you know, for the wife to go to work, one car for the husband or truck to go to work, and then they have to have a third garage to put that other thing in there, whatever it happens to be, a boat, a motorcycle, another car, whatever. So a lot of people want to have that. So find out what it is. Um, Offices deal with, uh, with this che uh, check and balance in various ways. One popular method is to have the telephone log maintained by a receptionist as, or a floor person uh, with a traffic sheet, new, uh, 
Then it says newspaper and magazine ads usually have a code number making it easy for the person answering the telephone to know what ad is involved. So for, all that means is that if you're going to run an ad in two different publications and you, you may very well ask the client, how did you find out? And they may not know. You know, you may say it was their code number. It's a way you can track and find out who's been more efficient and who's been more effective. That's why on those little things when you see them, you know, when you go to something in its best, best buy and they'll have something, they'll say, turn this in and you get, or a magazine thing and you get, you know, you get a redu reduced subscription. That's because they're tracking the effectiveness of that advertising. Did you get that, did you get that little coupon out of People magazine or out of Business Week or where did it come from? So they can go back to Business Week and say, you know what? We've been running ads in your magazine. You know what? We're not getting anything out of it because we know that for sure because all of the requests we get for a new whatever is coming from People magazine. So then what you start to do is say, oh, well, who reads Business Week and who reads People? You know, Business Week is read by people that either want to be entrepreneurs, they're entrepreneurs, they're business people, they're investors. People magazine is written by, read by a totally different group of people. They want to know whatever the current style is, who's, who's the celebrities, what the new movies are, different group of people. So you kind of want to know that. Uh, one of the things that they put down here that's really important that you do is something about a uh, word of caution about advertising. Advertising, um, you really want to make sure, uh, the easiest way I can tell you is, is that you want to make sure that when you uh, run an ad that you're totally honest about what it is. And make sure that you're not using anything that's excluding any, any group of people. But the most important thing is, is don't put something down like the house has a beautiful view of the Sacramento Valley lights at night when the only place you can get that view is from the, from the bathroom in the spare bedroom or something like that. You know, and you have to stand on a stool to see it. You know, make sure that you are honest and truthful in whatever your advertising is because that, that will get out like wildfire. I mean, you put something in there and you lie, and guess what? You're, people are not going to come back to you and tell you a lie. Well, what's going to happen is, is that they're going to say, oh, you mean Pat? You mean the one that puts those stupid ads in the magazine? And you're never going to get rid of that reputation. You're going to, at 25 years from today, they'll talk about that stupid ad you put in the magazine, you know? Um, anyway. They talk here about different types. The last thing, page 67, they're talking about different types of regulations the insurance commissioner, uh, insurance, uh, the real estate commissioner has regarding advertising. Uh, and those are things that you just basically want to go through. Uh, just so you know, a lot of times now, um, that's why we're kind of, or I kind of, I don't know what other instructors may be doing, but what I kind of uh, am emphasizing is the fact that of your knowledge and use of the computer systems because most of the people today, even if you're older like I am, you are find, you're finding talk to the kids who, who are going to be your customers. You know, if you're dealing with people right now that are, say, my age or, you know, let's say in their 30s or something like that, look at what their kids are doing because those are your potential customers five or ten years down the road, you know, and what they're basically going to be doing is I guess what I'm trying to say at this point in time, one of the things that you don't want to dismiss whenever you're considering your advertising um, campaign, if you will, is don't dismiss uh, the use of any kind of electronic media. Okay, in other words, the internet. Uh, as an example, when you go out and get a listing at the um, at a house, and you come back, and after your broker has looked at that listing and said, "Yes, you've done everything correct. It looks good. Go ahead." You've got everything signed, sealed, and everything else. Let's put it in the, in, in the system. You're putting it in a system called MetroList. 
MetroList happens to be a system that uh, allows anybody to have access at least to the basic features of the home from anywhere in the world. Okay? You, your house now, with whatever pictures you have, any information you have, is now available to people uh, in New York, Chicago, wherever. In fact, you can sit here and find out information about any property that's for sale anywhere in the United States. It's not a problem. In fact, anywhere in the world. So keep in mind that that's an area of advertising. And what I'm trying to really focus on that with you is just to keep in mind that that's why you really want to understand and use technology, because of the fact that it's cheap and it's inefficient. It really, besides knowledge and expertise <laughs> and taking a course, uh, you can develop a website. I could stand here and put together a website in front of you in probably, you know, maybe 10 minutes, you know, a basic website, okay? This is nothing that's complicated. It looks complicated, but it's not. But keep in mind that you really want to utilize that medium because it doesn't cost you money. I mean, essentially, once you become fairly proficient at it, you can do things such as making sure that there's ads up there for your homes for sale, making sure that they're put into the metro system correctly, making sure you have really good photographs taken, uh, you know, using the technology like, uh, you know, like uh, the um, digital cameras. So you can, I mean, nowadays, you go out to take, you go out, to list a house for sale. And it happens to be a time in which you can take some decent photographs. I mean, I can leave that house with my digital camera in my hand and have taken a whole bunch of pictures. But by the way, none of that cost me any money, okay? Come back and download them and put them through some series of software, which is fairly economical, and take those pictures and make them so they can actually work on the internet without being very huge, and have it all uploaded. I'm done in, in fact, I could do it before I ever left the client's house. I could actually sit there and design the thing right in front of them if I wanted to. In other words, that's the degree of proficiency you can get at it. It's not really that hard. Also, you want to keep in mind that when you do put ads up and you do put things up, that you're putting stuff up that's helpful for clients. And then you also want to make sure that when they send you email that you respond. <laughs> make sure. Uh, I'm amazed. If you go out and meet a couple, you have to, you have to go out and meet some really successful it can't be unsuccessful. It has to be successful real estate agents that are older, that do lots of business, but they are not aware or use the Internet. Okay? You're going to find out that a lot of the people, the reason why they're so successful is because, guess what? They sold a house to the parents, to the, you know, to the grandparents, to the parents, to the kids. They've been in business for years. In other words, they happen to be the real estate agent for that family. That's why they do well. But in a lot of cases, unless they have an assistant, take and send them an email, and you find out they don't respond because they guess what? They, they're not used to that technology. But the younger generation is getting very, very used to that. They are getting extremely used to that. They're doing all their pricing. You know, I can remember being on a vacation, and uh, we had our laptop with us. And, and, and I'm not the one that makes the reservations, but my wife would just get on the laptop and just and make the reservations for the next hotel or the car. I mean, everything is electronic. In fact, that's gotten to the point that it's actually put the travel agencies out of business is what has essentially happened. But you really want to kind of become adept at that. Very, very important. Uh, another thing, too, um, is all of the forms that you see listed in this book, all of these electronic forms that are here, and we'll talk more about this in the future. Those forms, you think that, oh, my goodness, Pat, you mentioned that there are other forms we have to use. Where am I going to put those in my car? You know, I mean, I don't have enough room in the trunk to carry those. You don't carry those anymore. What you do is you can download those forms from the California Association of Realtors website, use the software, and be able to print out those forms any place in the world. 
okay, for, you know, that's the service. So you don't have to carry your listing agreements with you. You don't have to carry your, your offers. You don't have to carry anything. All you have to do is be able to get to those forms and print them out, and you've got them. So you kind of want to keep that in mind. It helps doing that, keeping the databases up to speed, you know, having where you can put your clients in there. You can automatically send out a, you know, send out a, uh, an email to them once a month or once a week keeping in contact with them. Remember what I said about advertising and keeping in contact. It's not the cost. It's not the cost. It's that you consistently do whatever you're going to do. You know, just don't do it once and go, oh, well, it's kind of like running an ad for a house in a newspaper. You get all ginned up, you take really good pictures of it, you run your little ad in the newspaper, and then guess what happens? You run it for the one day and it doesn't produce any results at all. Okay? What you have to do is you have to look at the fact that you're doing something consistently. People sort of get used to it. There are people from a consumer behavior standpoint that are not what we call early adopters. They're not people that will be the first one to pick the phone up. They're not the same type of people that will try the brand new device. They're not the people work, walking around with iPods. What they do is they need to see you for a while. They need to say, you know what, I've seen your ad. I've seen your newsletter. I've gotten to know who you are over two years maybe. Now I feel comfortable to pick the telephone up and call you and ask you for some kind of assistance. So you're going to have clients that are going to be like that. Okay, really kind of important. So we're getting pretty close to the end. A couple things that I want to mention to you is the next time that we meet, I have a couple things, a couple more minutes to go and we'll be done. Uh, we're going to be covering the business plan, okay? That's the first thing. I want to really kind of emphasize that the next time that we meet, we're going to be covering the business plan. These are documents that are on the website, on the Blackboard website. There's two different file folders set up where there are documents and the way they're laid out. There are files that you open up and print out. They're in Adobe Acrobat PDF format. If you don't know how to do that, remember your fees that you've paid to come to this college allows you to go over to that lab and get those people to help you. That's what they're here for, okay? Um, what I'm going to be doing is going over those, those documents, okay, item by item by item by item on the next show. I'll be putting them up here on the, on the plasma screen and making sure that I'm going over everything in detail. It's very, very important that you watch. That's the first thing that I want to mention. The second thing that I'm going to mention is, is that I'm going to be putting up a posting that's going to show the exam dates that are going to be happening. Okay, in other words, when you're going to be coming in here, remember we have two exam dates. Now, one of the things that I have, uh, I can't really do kind of now because we're taping this show for future use and all that other stuff is actually mention the dates, but I want to tell you that I'm going to be putting, or on the Blackboard website, on your Blackboard website, is going to be a, a form or a table that will list the dates and the times of the exam, which is in your course outline, okay? And remember, those exams are always going to happen on a Thursday, always on a Thursday, not a Tuesday, but a Thursday. And so when you take a look at that, remember to keep in mind that you're going to, and remember that you're going to have an early morning one that you can come to if you desire on campus, like where you guys are right now, or you're going to have one that you come in in the afternoon. So you have two different times that you can take it. I have had some students that will take real estate practice in the morning and take that one principles in the afternoon. Okay, with that, thank you very much for coming, and we will see you back here uh, for show number six. Thanks.